0: The ACC's Daily Agenda podcast, powered by Musashi.
1: Welcome into a very special edition of the Daily Agenda, powered by Musashi. Minaya and Lane here, and over the next few days, we're going to be bringing you each of the Behind the Absolute Scenes uh, Season 2 episodes. Yeah, True story behind some of the most iconic moments in uh, the ACC's history. Uh, episode 1, Lane, is the true story behind the absolute scenes of the 2015 Cricket World Cup semi-final and the controversy that followed uh, as to why the ACC did not call the grand final.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, behind the absolute scenes, uh, award-winning uh, docos, yes. actually. Um <laughs> The first series was uh, a big success. And the reason we can tell these stories is the statute of limitations has passed so we can't actually get arrested or charged with anything because there's some horrible crimes being committed yes. in the caravan, in and around the caravan. And this is 2015. This is the infamous World Cup we got thrown out of um, and we covered that in season one around the Brinks trolley incident. Yep. And, um, it, was, it was messy. We, we behaved terribly. Like, uh, looking back on it, we behaved shockingly. So I'm not surprised we got thrown out. But um, this covers the semi final, the famous I mean, semi final, the, the hairy jab moment, yeah. where we were when we called it, which was a strange bunker somewhere. Um, That's right. And yeah, because we've been thrown out, we weren't yeah. allowed to be at the grounds. We had to return our um, accreditation, and we did that <laughs> very childishly. Hand of your badge. Yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> and they came, picked them up, and we put them in an envelope and filled them with prophylactics and. KY and just made it unpleasant for them. Um, again, we behaved terribly. Yeah. Um, and this one also covers why we didn't actually do the final. We did yes. every single World Cup game and we didn't cover the final. And we had a shocker and lost. So in in hindsight, it was a good thing to do. But this episode covers all of that and, and a little bit more... Um, around the end of the 2015 cricket world and, cup
1: and and so far as the after party featuring the oh. wristwatch incident as well so i think without any further ado here, oh God. Is, here is episode one season two behind the absolute scenes
3: we're gonna win the world cup i was emotionally exhausted it was one of the worst days of my life there might have been some tears people saw the acc is a threat and they wanted to kill us
4: I don't even know if I want to go there but this is a warts and all documentary so we have to tell the
5: truth Where's the, where's the cocaine? Where's the nudity? Sex pest is a word that was,
6: was thrown around I was actually pleasuring myself I knew it was, there was a penis involved and Laura
7: McGoldrick We mm-hmm. absolute,
3: absolute, absolute scenes!
4: Absolute scenes! Absolute scenes!
1: just like season two of uh drive to survive a bit shit of it
4: <laughs> should we have ended season one with this
1: yeah well we ended season one of behind the absolute scenes um and we didn't even talk about the game that actually had the absolute scenes in it and that was the semi-final Eden Park against South Africa so yeah I think we'd, we were we just wanted to
3: leave it on a cliffhanger what I can recall is, um, you know, the semi-final and, and I think because of, we're all massive New Zealand cricket fans, we all had that sense of we're going to bundle it again, you know, we're going we're to fall over, we're going we're to drop, drop the ball just at the try line and there was that real concern. Because the story of New Zealand cricket leading up to that was always the
4: same. It was of tragedy, it was of disappointment, it was of unfulfilled prov- promises. Now, I know there were a lot of New Zealand cricket supporters who may have been 8 or 9 years old and they just started watching cricket at that time and they started in 2015 becoming conscious of New Zealand cricket they witnessed one of the greatest moments in New Zealand cricket and some of those kids went from 8 to 14 and at that stage they genuinely thought that New Zealand, that was the story of New Zealand cricket to them their childhood was of New Zealand cricket victory and success beating every team in the world convincingly unfortunately that's not my experience of it
1: Well, yeah, the 2015 semi-final, uh, Cricket World Cup semi-final, by that stage we'd been thrown out of the World Cup. Uh, We were three weeks in exile. Um,
0: uh, it may have been covered in the, in the last series, but a lot of controversial things have led up to that point. I had very little to do with, with a lot of them, but uh, it meant we, we lost our, our accreditation. It's a bit like a taxi driver without a taxi license, or an Uber driver without an Uber license. Um, you shouldn't be behind the wheel, and we didn't have um, commentary licenses, accreditation. We lost all that in, in a matter of, of a single stroke of a pen. We were all still in
6: shock, weren't we? I mean. I remember being outraged that we weren't allowed to be at the game, that we'd been, we were, we were the victims of a conspiracy really, weren't we? I mean, people saw, saw the ACC as a threat and they wanted to kill us. And, and that was a dagger in the heart, not being able to be at the game after having been through the entire tournament and then for the most historic moment in the history of New Zealand cricket, to not be there. Well, I still haven't given, forgiven um, Brian Waddle or whoever, whatever, whatever other nefarious forces are to blame for that. This seems like the climax of a period of time for the ACC.
5: This was a huge, huge moment. I, I, I always picture this game like we were at the ground, but now I'm looking back. Were we underground? I seem to remember us re-
4: broadcasting that day from some
5: kind of bunker.
3: A foul, stinky
5: bunker. Where was that bunker? How did we get in the bunker? Where did we book a bunker? Why were we in a bunker? Were we were we, under threat? Were we, were we hiding? I think maybe we were part of a witness relocation situation at the point, or something. Was the ICC trying to kill us? I don't know why we we're in a bunker.
0: My recollections of the bunker is very much like Hitler's bunker in
6: many ways. It was the, it was the detritus of the NZME media empire, wasn't it? Just these this disgusting old disused building, full of used tampons and condoms and needles. I think. So
1: we were broadcasting from the
3: basement of Cook Street, corner of Cook and Nelson Street, and. From recollection, it was some kind of student kind of radio scenario. Um, there were Britney Spears posters and stuff. Not that I object to any Britney uh, Spears posters, but it wasn't your usual setup for the ACC. I mean, generally speaking, when we broadcast, we had a much more manly environment. Um, so this, this sort of threw us right from the start, I think. I found a Robbie Williams, I think it was, and a Taylor Swift cutout, and I combined
6: the two of them in the corner of an empty room, and I I was actually pleasuring myself over that. And I found that quite distracting. I, what was my way of dealing with it? I mean, none of us were really taking the stress very well. South Africa were absolutely smashing us. I remember AB de
1: Villiers was just tonking us around Eden Park, and then the rain came. The beautiful,
4: beautiful rain came. When the rain came as well, it came in a very isolated form, didn't it? Yeah. It just rained on Eden Park. There was just an isolated cloud that God sent that day to Aotearoa, and He said, This is my country, God's own country, and I am going to rain on this park for you people because A.B. Villiers has been doing some terrible things in his
6: life. <laughs>
4: and he does not deserve to be in a World Cup
1: final. And good on God. And um, basically, it ended a South African's innings and then New Zealand was set a pretty hefty total, as I remember, as I recall, uh, with reduced overs. And I think it, fuck, it must have gone until about 12 o'clock at
5: night. It just seemed to go on uh, forever.
2: Where were you during the final?
5: For most of the previous five overs I'd been over in the corner with my head pushed against the wall trying to hide from the game i couldn't watch
6: i think there was only two balls left in the over the prospect of making the world cup final on one ball it was just too much i mean i'm not sure if you were in there i mean a lot of people bailed i couldn't watch and
5: i had exited out of the building and i was down around the the lift area i was i was huddled on the ground i think i was in a fetal position shaking uh, the tension was was so intense. No one would go on because no one could bear to watch or, or handle the tension. So someone said, you're on. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can barely control my bowel right now,
3: let alone getting on the air a- and talking. Um, and so when the hairy jab launched that ball over long on for six, all those years of New Zealand cricket pain just evaporated with that one shot. And uh, of course that, Catapulted the hairy jab into the into the spotlight and the limelight. We were we were like
1: climaxing pretty much.
0: Absolute scenes are going on there. You probably have some some footage or some audio that I don't know that you'd probably cut to at this point. I've no idea whether you will.
3: Stein to elliot He pulls it!
0: Both of over yeah. on! Yeah. And New Zealand is right in the World Cup yeah. 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 Oh, you wouldn't write about it! The New Zealanders have oh, won oh, with one bonus spare! Harry jell Oh, there you go! You did well. Well done. I mean, it would have been tempting to celebrate after that and 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 go boozing, but the pressure was too much for me. I just had to um, leave the bunker and reflect on what had gone on. It was um, powerful, powerful stuff.
5: After the game, we needed to celebrate. We, there was so much energy. We were so we were jumping off the walls. We were jumping around. There was a bunch of middle-aged men hugging and, and we were in a bunker and we were all standing in a circle jumping around and around and around, around in circles and we are like, this, has, this needs to be celebrated, we can't just let this lie.
1: We couldn't believe that we'd made our first World Cup final, fuck let's, let's go out, we're going to go out, we're going to go out in the piss and fuck, I've got to go out and fucking celebrate. So it was about half past twelve at night. Um... Eden Park was packed, so 40,000 people we thought, surely, surely
5: there's gonna be a bar open. I remember a bunch of us heading out to look for champagne to celebrate, and Auckland had decided, I'm not sure what day of the week it was, but Auckland had decided to completely 100% shut down, and I remember us finding the worst bar in Auckland. Uh, It was the only one that was open.
1: Uh, We all went in there with our stupid suits and tires (laughs) after the game. And I went up to the
5: bar and I said, can I have four of your most expensive bottles of champagne? Their most expensive bottle of champagne, even on bar prices, was about $15.95.
1: It was the worst champagne of all time. We opened them all, we had one sip, and then we all went
5: home. I remember lying in bed, and my heart was still going a million miles an hour because of this amazing victory, and I was just running it through my head. And I just couldn't sleep. And I, why am I alone right now? Why isn't, why isn't there a ticker tape parade? Like where's the fricking parade? Where are the balloons? Where's the, where's the, where's the poppers? Where's the, where's the cocaine? Where's the, where's the nudity? Why am I in bed by myself just under the covers with my heart going at a million miles an hour? Um, Did
1: the ACC call the final? No. No, no, we didn't call the final.
5: I was like, of course we'll do the final. We followed the whole thing. And then it's like, I talked to Jeremy, he goes, oh, me and G-Lane have got tickets to the final. We bought them about two years
6: ago. We've got flights. We're out. I'm like, what? You're out? Oh, I'm sure there were some people who could have called it. Those that could afford to fly to Australia for the final had already made up their minds they were going to do that and they let the rest of the team go. So the whole camaraderie, the whole esprit de corps of
0: the of the commentary team was lost at that moment. It was when we were starting to see a few cracks coming into the into the team there. There was a a raft
5: of other reserves and recruits who could have stepped up at that moment. I got so frustrated that I started tweeting,
6: dangerously steamed in a bar, and I just these terrible profanity-filled tweets at this bar. Um, we were resentful, and we just gave up, basically. We gave up on our audience, let's be honest. So that release we had as a, as a group, as a we were in the huddle, we were in the caravan, we were in the womb of the
5: caravan, and we could behave the way we did, and we had the support, then just on my own in the public, just unleashing like I had been for the whole tournament, but into a, but no might to unleash into.
1: How was the final itself?
5: A huge disappointment.
4: Within the space of the first over, I realised that New Zealand probably weren't going to win. But leading into the game, some of the greatest moments of my life, and I remember them very, very clearly walking towards the MCG with ACC head G Lane and Paul Ford, New Zealand's premier sports journalist and chanting and singing, we're gonna win the World Cup. That's right, we were. We were singing songs. And and you could hear other people. You'd sing a first line, and then all of a sudden you just hear these New Zealanders off in the distance singing their line. He's got a tick so
0: long, so long, so long, He's got a tick so
4: here comes the jazz. hope the optimism then only to be very very quickly dashed within the first over with mitchell stark taking the wicket of
1: brendan mccullum and it just sucked the oxygen out of the out of the stadium it was an amazing atmosphere but uh i think that was when we lost it and i think the most heartbreaking thing was the next day when i got up dangerously hung over on the streets of Melbourne, it was about 40 degrees, and I walked straight into the Australian team parade. It was one of the worst days of my life. Uh, you mentioned being hungover,
4: so did you
1: think happen post-match? Post-match, I'm trying to wreck my brain, what happened post-match? It was there was a penis involved and Laura McGoldrick. <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> oh God. So we we're in Melbourne and we got invited to the uh, Black Caps, um, after party after the final and we shouldn't have gone
7: well the after party is always a bit different when you don't win there's two ways i like to deal with games like that there's one way i like to deal with games like that and that was just drinking through so i was on a similar level to you but not maybe as hot but you came in steaming hot
1: (sighs) what ensued i don't know where you turned up and it it wasn't really an after party it was more a conference room that they'd booked in the hotel Deadly silent with chairs around the outside of the conference room with friends and family and a buffet in the corner and a bucket of beers. Um, Let's just say we stuck out like sore
4: thumbs. We didn't read the mood of the room, I don't think, looking back on it quite as well as we could have. We'd come in very hot after what was two days of massive partying. I don't know if anyone had had any sleep. I certainly hadn't
0: from what I've heard from my Australian contacts, made absolute asses of themselves.
4: So it's a bit of a blur, but I just... The the things that I could take away from that were chatting to the chairman of New Zealand cricket.
7: Jeremy did have some thoughts and feelings about how New Zealand cricket would best to push forward uh, with a few things, and he felt that that was the right time in which to do it.
4: And who can forget as well that... There was a moment where we started chanting, pash the jav, pash the jav, and... And I cornered Grant Elliott, and tried to pash him over the buffet. I have the photographic proof, actually.
7: I saw full mouth-to-mouth action.
4: Grant Elliott, I'm not sure if he was into it. I don't think he wanted it, but he went along with it, to his credit.
0: Sex pass is a word that was, was thrown around.
1: What's the wristwatch?
4: Um, for legal reasons, I can't go into that. ACC head, G Lane. Wrapping his downstairs operation around his wrist and getting members of the New Zealand cricket team and their wives and partners to look at, he'd say, what's the time? Do you want to know what the time is? And then they'd look down and then he'd have his downstairs around his wrist. (laughs) It's to say, Tim Southey made me do it.
7: I I had some pretty firm instructions from my husband that it might be time to head off. (laughs) The
4: career World cup was over. What effect do you think it had on Kiwis and how
1: they viewed cricket? Wow, it was the renaissance. It was the beginning of the renaissance for cricket in New Zealand. It was Baz McCullum, it was Baz Ball. Uh, He was leading a a team that didn't give two fucks. They just got into it. Um, And, like, the next two or three years was a sensational period
4: for New Zealand cricket. I will never forget that little window. What a great time to be alive as a New Zealand cricket fan.
7: I think that it just probably either started the love of the game for a lot of people or revived the love of the game for fans who had if you'd stuck at it and you'd loved them as long as you had and you'd you'd ridden the highs and lows this was a great moment for us cricket fans so i think it was just all about the the love of the game either getting new fans or thanking the ones who had stuck in there
1: it basically got people who were relatively interested in cricket into cricket
6: I think we realised then that the key to New Zealand's success in cricket was more South Africans. Who would have thought?